and welcome to Buffalo Bread with Dan and not JJ. JJ's still on injured reserve for us folks this week as he is recovering from a shoulder injury. We had the pleasure of uh, one Brandon Bennett on our post-game recap of the stunning loss and upset of the New England Patriots in the Buffalo Bills um, here in Week 7. And we are now fortunate enough to be joined by another stand-in host being promoted from the practice squad to the 53-man roster to help us preview the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Buffalo Bills coming up here Thursday night in prime time on Amazon Prime. Our guest host this week is Buffalo Bills fan Justin Dickerson, friend of the pod and friend of the team, Buffalo Bills fan uh, since since college, I want to say. Justin, why don't you introduce yourself to our our 7 to 12 weekly listeners and tell us a little bit about how you came to love our beloved Buffalo Bills. Well, thank you, Dan. Uh, long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, nice, nice. I uh, So I grew up in uh, the shadow of the New York Giants. My dad was a Giants fan, and so uh, although now as a diehard Bills fan, I must say the New Jersey Giants. Um, and, you know, my dad really raised me to be a Giants fan. He's from the Binghamton area and his whole family are big on Giants. Uh, I rode the Giants high of when I was in high school. I watched the Giants beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl. It was a great time. Um, then I went to college at SUNY Fredonia, which is in Western New York. And anybody who's been to that college can tell you it's just, you know, it's just dangerous to not be a Bills fan in Western New York. It's just not, not advised, but. A lot of my really close friends grew up in the Buffalo area. They were really diehard Bills fans for a long time. And we really bonded. I mean, this is 2011, 12, 13, 14 Buffalo Bills. So we bonded over the collective disappointment in that team and really just seeing what that looked like. The abject misery and hopelessness of that era. (laughs) Yeah, 2012 happened and the Giants uh, had their season. And I'm just sitting as a Bills fan watching going, oh, I made a decision. Uh, But. You know, it's just been watching the Bills come to here from there has just been a really cool experience. And there's just something to be said about the collective fandom of Bills fans and coming from all these like 20 and 30 year old Bills fans who were raised in kind of this like era of misery and are now starting to see these teams really come to light. It's just a really great time to be a Bills fan. I agree. All things aside with uh, with our recent spat of uh, poor games over the last three games to potentially substandard teams, um, it is good to be a Bills fan. And it is important every now and then, Justin, to bring that fresh perspective. That is much appreciated, sir, because uh, sometimes JJ and I can get into our, our own feelings about this team in a lot of different ways. And those feelings over the past three games have been uh, if very, very negative. So we're hoping that we're, the Bills are going to get back on track, usually a solid team in response to a loss. They have a quick turnaround, which honestly could be a blessing in disguise for them after the turd they laid uh, against New England in New England. This could be a great opportunity, short week, flush it, get prepared, and then welcome a very a, a solid but beatable opponent in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to Orchard Park, New York. So Justin, here's how we typically do things. Um, I'm the numbers guy, if you've ever listened to the pod. So I will give us the rankings of where each of these teams stand by DVOA. And then after that, you and I will simply get into three things that we think will help the Buffalo Bills win this particular game. Okay. Um, We'll banter a little bit. We'll do a segment called uh, Prediction Sure to Go Wrong, which is really what people come to the pod for, is finding out how wrong JJ and I are week to week. Um, And then we'll call it good. Sound awesome? Sounds great. All right. 
So here we go, setting up our Thursday night matchup between our beloved Buffalo Bills and the Baker Mayfield-led uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So as it currently sits, despite some of the struggles the Bills have seen in the last three weeks, they are currently ranked fourth in overall DVOA. Only Kansas City, San Francisco, and now Baltimore are ahead of them in overall DVOA. Um, this, Justin, is surprising given, I think, the narrative of a lot of Bills Mafia, which is the offense is a problem, which don't get me wrong, the offense has been a problem over the last three games. But really, this decline in DVOA where the Bills were the number one rated team and number two rated team just a couple of weeks ago is really coming as a result of the attrition on defense. So the Buffalo Bills offensive DVO DVOA ranking is still third overall in the league, but the defensive rank is 13th. And for a team that prioritizes special teams, we now currently sit 24th in overall special teams DVOA. A lot of this having to do with a lot of the ineffectiveness over the last few games of Tyler Bass. He has had, in his past two games, three missed field goals. Where earlier in the season, like so many other aspects of this Buffalo Bills team, this team was automatic. The visiting squad, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, currently ranked 20th in overall DVOA. From an offensive standpoint, this is not a strong offensive team, but it is a team, I think, that mirrors and wants to do a lot of the things that the New England Patriots did to us, which is try to establish the run. They've got a defensive-minded head coach, um, and they still have some decent weapons that they want to open things up for Baker across the middle of the field. And Baker, unlike Mac, while not great arm strength, does they have the ability to test the boundaries every now and then, given the right shot. They still got Mike Evans on the team, but still this is an offense that has really struggled. And this is a team that is coming off of a loss to the Desmond Ritter-led Atlanta Falcons. But, and this is what worries me the most, from a defensive standpoint, this squad is 12th. And they've got some players on this team, uh, guys like Devin White, that can create a lot of havoc, similar to how the Giants used a lot of their uh, linebacking core, how the Patriots used their linebackers and safeties. They've got some pieces, Justin, on this Tampa Bay defense that could potentially execute the game plan that these other three teams over the past three weeks have executed so successfully against the Buffalo Bills, which is take away Stefan Diggs as the primary option, use delayed pressure and well-timed blitzes to overwhelm the offensive line and get Josh off platform and holding on to the ball. So there's a couple of keys, both offensively and defensively, that I want to get into here, Justin, to talk about where the Buffalo Bills could potentially get back on track and secure a W and what is a much needed win in a very competitive AFC East. But I want to I want to start with you. You are our guest. So I would like to start off with with your keys to this game. So why don't we go there? So, Justin, point number one, what do you think the Buffalo Bills need to do first and foremost? To secure a victory over the Buccaneers on Thursday. Yeah, I think, I mean, first things first, and I think this is simple, but it has proven not to be as simple as it should be for our Bills, is they need to protect the football, right? Like when they turn the ball over, they lose, plain and simple. And when they protect the ball, they win. I mean, I think that the way that they've been playing and the way that they've been really asserting themselves hasn't been the same Bills we've seen. Um, I think there's a lot of, I'm looking at, you know, these games and I'm looking at the way that certain players are being used. And I think there's a lot of caution. I mean, with our injured list, it makes sense, but you're seeing Von Miller going for six snaps against new England. Uh, you're seeing 
Josh Allen on plays where last season's Josh Allen would be diving for the line of scrimmage as fast as he can, making those safe, smart throws or throwaways. Like just, I think the the energy and the fire of the team hasn't been where I've wanted to see it in the last few games, and I think a lot of that is there. Um, I think letting, I mean, not to have the snappy line of the day, but let Josh, let James Cook cook. I mean, I think the reality is we need to, we need to establish the run. I think a lot of people have figured out what they expect from Josh Allen in the game, and they understand the Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs pipeline pretty well. I'm, I'm sure that in the offseason, this is a lot of what coaching staffs and other teams have been focusing on is how do we break up that connection between those two players? And we've seen how effectively that has prevented the Bills from putting points on the board. I think establishing the run leaves defenses vulnerable to play action, helps them keep the heat off of Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, and gives us back the option that isn't currently working out for us the way that it should. I mean, obviously, they're still making some things happen here and there, but if there's an expectation coming out of the field that that's all you need to protect against, that's what happens. I love um, that. I love that take. And and I don't know if you listen to the pod or not, but uh, JJ is somewhere recovering from his shoulder surgery, uh, loving what he is hearing at this point. Because when you, James Cook, I think people forget, he started his NFL career with a fumble after never having fumbled at all in college. And then he was benched for like the next six series in in the opening set of his rookie year. But he's he's a reliable steward of the ball, which people oftentimes forget. So I love what you're saying about establishing the run, not just to make play action a more effective threat, which I'll get into my things about Josh and his play at, play action efficacy, but it is to take care of the football and limit opportunities for turnovers. Because James Cook vice grips for hands even at even at points of contact no i love that i love that keep going with your thought um yeah and then i think my final thing is um we need to get dalton Kincaid going and get him going early i think the more passes you take underneath the more likely you are to hit a few good ones off the top i think that the bills offense is getting i don't want to say one dimensional but limited dimensional in what they're trying um uh, one of my very good friends who in the four hours since you invited me to join the pod and uh, i've been on the pod I went and did a run through of all my favorite uh, Bills fans and said, what would you say if you were on the pod? And uh, one of them said that, and I, there was obviously a lot of uh, hate for Dorsey because I think that's kind of the fan current uh, trend is um, fire Ken Dorsey. That's the, that's the solution. I think uh, how he put it was Ken Dorsey is a Madden player who's got three of his buttons stuck and he's just trying the same ones over and over in bad situations. I think the reality is there's a lot of weapons left on this team. We can woe and woe is us that we've got a lot of injuries and the fact is we do have a lot of injuries but our offense still has so many strong options on the field and there's so many different places to put them and so many things we should be doing that I think should really be equaling greater output but I'm not seeing us try different things I'm seeing us run the same game plan every game and then by the time we're starting to make changes we're talking end of third quarter fourth quarter and we're seeing these bills come trying to come back from the dead at the end of games. And as we've seen too often, sometimes that's just not enough time to bring the game back. No, I no to agree with everything you are saying. Um, and I, I want to start in reverse order with your points. So there is the there is the multiplicity issue being multiple, getting Kincaid involved, but more importantly, stop being, you know, predictable. And I think that has been a problem for the Bills over their last three games. 
The London game against Jacksonville, Mike Caldwell, their defensive coordinator, rolled out a really great plan, game plan that we talked about, um, JJ and I, which was bringing delayed pressure. So teams don't typically like to blitz Josh because he's so good off platform and he's so good off script. But teams are clearly seeing something in the way that these Buffalo Bills route trees are developing and the time to the time it takes for Josh to go through his progressions when he is off script this season because he doesn't have a lot of rapport with some of these new weapons. They're taking advantage of that. And prior to this season, coaches would argue that you can never blitz Josh Allen because it's a death sentence. I think over the last three games, teams have figured out a way to blitz him because they're seeing predictability in the offense that Dorsey is, is calling. And what's more is, and to your point, these t the Buffalo Bills are not adjusting their game plan early enough in quarter and in the first half to get into a rhythm. And I think this is what McDermott was getting at in his post-game press conference um, when it was being pressed by Joe Biscaglia from The Athletic about um, McDermott saying he wanted to get into a better rhythm. I think this is what he was trying to get at. They need to adjust rather than stubbornly stick to a game plan that other teams have clearly read into and clearly know how to counter. These delayed pressures that we're seeing game after game after game have been an absolute brick wall for the Buffalo Bills in trying to score points in the first half. Ten total points over their last three games. In the second half, to Dorsey's credit, he is making the adjustments that he needs to to hit the easy button for Josh and develop some really quick, uncomplicated routes that find soft spots in zone hence our boy Dalton Kincaid, that give Josh some really easy completions to get to, to get the ball moving. And this is a, a great juxtaposition, I think, because when you get guys like Kincaid involved who quickly find spots in zone, they can be a hot route that helps mitigate some of that pressure or keep some of those delayed blitzes honest, at least, because you're going to have to make a choice as a blitzer coming from the second level. Do I let Kincaid flash out or do I continue on my blitz of Josh? Nine times out of 10, they're going to continue on their blitz rather than make the decision to drop back into coverage. Very rarely do these delayed blitz packages allow for those types of adaptations. So you roll a guy like Kincaid out there, and all of a sudden, you've got a quick, easy completion for seven yards, chunk at a time, chunk at a time, that keeps the ball rolling. Well, and, and you and I have talked, not to interrupt, but you no, and no. I have talked in many occasions about how Josh Allen doesn't seem satisfied with that slow roll progress and it so often doesn't work for us in that there's so many games where if they could just simply be satisfied with a little bit at a time incremental pushes down the field we could make something out of that but he just isn't willing to I mean you and I and I know you talked about this in the pod last season you and I went to the Bills Patriots game after DeMar Hamlin with the two got John Richards amazing game and I remember Great game. you were it was oh god first my first NFL game ever and two two uh kickoff returns just absolutely insane but one of the things that we were talking about when we were there and you you being the stat nerd and like the looking at things nerd you're like I'm going to be looking at these things in the game and I'm like I'm going to go watch a football game and I remember the thing you kept saying you wanted to look for is does Josh have other options is it really that he's got such limited options and he's throwing at folks who are being covered really well? Or is it that he like has options he's not taking them? And I think based on what we saw, TV doesn't always show us some of the options that Josh has available to him that really are there. Correct. And then you start watching some of those replays when they start getting at angles. You see people who are closer to him, but open. 
And is it really he doesn't want to be totaling up smaller yardage? Like, is he not comfortable with those smaller gains? But you see the teams that are rolling the bills and they're taking it down the field one step at a time. And, you know, defense aside, the reality is that's what's beating us. But we're not willing to try that against other teams. And I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, Josh did it for three weeks after that week one debacle against the Jets. And then all of a sudden, and again, I this is where the Dorsey conversation gets really complicated because there are there are now prominent media figures that are saying that if the Buffalo Bills don't perform better offensively this game, it's time for the Bills to potentially move on from Ken Dorsey. And Dorsey has his deficiencies, but it, it's not necessarily in scheme. He's scheming guys open. He's making some nice play calls. The problem with Dorsey is not Dorsey necessarily the schemer. It's Dorsey the play caller and Dorsey the coach because he's having a hard time getting Josh to adjust to some of these tendencies. And then he's coaching away the wrong tendencies out of Josh. The first four games of the season, Josh was averaging um, 6.6 yards per carry, scripted and unscripted. That is now down to 3.2, and he's halved his rushing attempts over the last three games, which the Bills are 1-2 and two in, because they have all but scripted it out of the playbook, and they've encouraged Josh to protect himself, which he should but QBs prepared for contact on the run rarely get hurt. It's QBs in the pocket that get hurt by pressure they don't anticipate more often than not. But the uh, organization wants the franchise QB to take care of himself. So Dorsey has scripted out and basically coached out of Josh this improvisational running that he has done that has gotten them so many chunk yards and so many first downs. But I think even beyond that, to your point, guys are getting schemed open. But Dorsey, where I have a problem with him as a play caller and a play sequencer, is that he's calling great plays at the absolute wrong time. He's got these long developing route trees that are coming when there are two free rushers against Josh or the opposing team is bringing delayed pressure that Dorsey either doesn't call down as a, as a hot route check um, in the pre-call play sets that he gives to Josh to, to debate from or Josh isn't seeing it at the line of scrimmage. Either way, it's a deficiency in coaching because the coach is not coaching the player to recognize those things in film sessions, or he is not giving that player the option with some of his pre-play call options that he is radioing, 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 radioing down to the QB. That's where Dorsey is a struggle. So he's got these cool schemes and these great play calls where you've got guys running open, but sometimes they're the wrong play call for the pressure packages the teams are bringing which leads itself to the predictability argument that a lot of fans are making about Dorsey, which I think is accurate. I definitely think that's accurate, and that's something that's got to be addressed. But then Josh also deserves a little bit of blame in this too. You brought up like his inability to take the check down sometimes, and when Josh has gone through his roughest patches, we've seen that. Case in point in that Patriots game, very first flip and play of the game, and I called this one too. Me and JJ in the pregame for the Pats game were like, Belichick is going to do some weird shit in this game. He's going to roll out four safeties. He's going to have Jabril Peppers playing uh, playing out in the flat, bumping a lot of our wide receivers or bumping a lot of guys in the box, and then just hovering there to bait Josh. First play of the game, Dalton Kincaid, seven yards, cut, stop, wide open. No one, no one nine yards within the within reach of that guy. Wide open for a seven-yard gain on first down. Nope. Josh takes it to the boundary where Peppers is baiting him to throw it, 
boom, pick first play of the game, right? So yes, some of it is Dorsey and Dorsey deserves a huge chunk of the blame for failing to change his play call sequencing when he sees what opposing defenses are doing. And it lends itself to predictability and playing into their hands. But Josh also needs to make better decisions too and take what is available. Yeah, and I I, I hesitate to say this because if I'm wrong, I don't want to sound like an idiot, but I'm going to say it. Hang on, Last... hang on, l- l- hang on. You're on Buffalo bread, my friend. People, <laughs> people come for the idiocy. They don't come for like, sound game analysis no me and jj joke us being wrong is a feature of this not a bug so say what you want to say this is a safe space yeah i'm just anxious about having a james cook performance and having my uh first appearance be a fumble but um i think last season i said to a lot of people i am not convinced that josh's elbow is okay you could see it in the way he played everything changed what have you yeah, and I the language obvious, we were yeah. hearing yeah, the, the language we were hearing last season of downplaying it's fine, don't worry about it, is a lot of what we're hearing now about the shoulder. And I'm not convinced that he's toast by any means. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not thinking this is as bad as it was, but I am anxious about a Josh Allen that starts reasserting himself by blasting through the defensive line and just gets it hit just wrong. And then now we're looking at, can he play next game? Like, it's I think this team is very close to the edge of success in this season right now. I'm not going to count them out by any means. I don't think they're in bad shape, but they're a couple more season-ending injuries away from ending their season, period. Uh, And I I always have worried since Josh Allen has come onto this team and we've really seen him develop as this bigger guy who kind of uses his weight and his, his, you know, ability, almost like Ben Roethlisberger in that way of just like forcing himself down the field when need be it's those, you know, okay, his shoulder mostly fine. He's downplaying it. The team's downplaying it. Everybody's saying it's fine, but it's just how many compounding injuries like that can you get before you actually end your season? So that's always been my concern with Josh and the way that he plays. And I think you're right. We are seeing a very different Josh Allen approach in the last few games and the way that Dorsey's using him. And you can see, mind you, I think there's a lot of drama to this when they're scanning over the players in the sidelines. I think half the time, like ESPN is just hoping to God that Stefan Diggs has a bad face on so they can make a whole story about how Stefan Diggs is leaving the building. It's so ridiculous. They just, national media does not understand Diggs at all. Yeah. Yeah. He posted turn the page, I think, on Twitter earlier this week, and everyone's like, he's leaving the team. It's like, all right. But, you know, I think that you can see frustration on 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 the benches. I mean, you can see these folks are not happy about what's happening. But we're not seeing a lot of change up in the game plan. And there's got to be something's got to be different to expect different results against some of these teams. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think one of the things that that the and this kind of gets to some of my points, right? One of the things I think that I got to see happen on offense is I've got to see Dorsey hit the easy button. And what I mean by that is there are plays in the playbook that are easy completions. We saw them in weeks two, three, and four for Josh and this offense to get into a rhythm that are also great delayed pressure beaters, great blitz beaters. We saw the Patriots blitz Josh and put him under duress. It felt like every single play he was trying to throw off platform. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can do a lot of the things that the Patriots could do, that the Giants can do, and that the um, that the Jacksonville Jaguars can do in terms of 
locking down some of the limited weapons on Buffalo's offense, bracket Stefan Diggs with a safety over the top and a DB, and then bring some of those delayed pressure looks that Josh has had a really hard time diagnosing at the line of scrimmage and that Dorsey has been really late to adjust to. I think we're going to see a lot of those. So what's the counter to that? Josh getting the ball out quickly. So I'm going to give you some numbers, Justin. I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm the numbers guy here. Okay. But Josh Allen this season, when getting rid of the ball in 2.5 seconds or less, has a 77% completion rate. He also only has two TD, two INTs, and eight of his 15 TDs have come when getting rid of the ball with that level of quickness. And his QB rating skyrockets to almost 103. When Josh is made to hang on to the ball, and this seems counterintuitive because he's so such a good improvised passer and so good off platform, but when he is made to hang on to the ball for over 2.5 seconds like the Patriots made him do for a majority of that game last week, he becomes mistake-prone Josh, and he becomes predictable Josh. So he's thrown five of his seven INTs when holding on to the ball for more than 2.5 seconds. But more importantly to me, when we talk about sustaining drives with the easy stuff, his completion percentage goes from 77 to 62%, a, oh, wow. a 15% decline. When you've got such a night and day composition of data that tells you your QB, while he may be comfortable and may be effective at hanging those big scramble out to the right, launch it down to digs down the field plays, the data is telling us in his performance that if Dorsey can scheme up some of these quick blitz beaters to keep the defense honest early in the game and take them out of their delayed pressure game plan, they've got a recipe for success with Josh. Then this gets the team into the rhythm that McDermott wants and it opens up a whole host of other things because that means you're getting good chunk yardage on first down. And Josh is one of the best throwing QBs in the league on first down. He's averaging right now about six yards per attempt, excuse me, on his first down throws. And he completes his first down throws at about 75% of the time. You can get to second and short. That opens up the run game. That opens up the Josh Allen scripted run game. It opens up the short passing game. Or it's a great spot to take a shot downfield if you can get some of these teams and their second down coverage against the Bills out of this too high shell that they've been playing. So for me, it all starts with Allen getting the ball out quick. If his time to throw, I would say, is 2.7 seconds or less in this game, that means the Bills are being successful at mitigating any delayed pressure or blitz packages that this Todd Bowles-coached Tampa Bay Buccaneers team is going to roll out there. And Bowles loves to blitz. They're going to blitz in this game, without a doubt. Yeah. So that's that's number, that is my uh, my first point that I want to get to. My second point, Justin, it's on the defensive side of the ball. Now, we know there's a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball. There's not much that the team can do here for that. And they're going up against some decent weapons. Again, Mayfield is a limited QB, but so is Mac Jones. And the Patriots were able to successfully scheme their way into making Mac Jones basically look like Tom Brady, um, including, including up to a game-winning drive in the fourth quarter. So while the scheming offensively for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has not been to that level of efficacy. We are a week-to-week -week league, and it's a short turnaround, and the Bills may not be prepared for whatever they're going to roll out there. You've got to worry about Mike Evans. You've got to worry about some other weapons that this Tampa Bay Buccaneers team has. 
for me, you're not getting Matt Milano back. You might get Ed Oliver back. He's been limited in practice with his injury, but you're not going to get Trey White and some of these other pieces back. To me, the second key in this is you've got to roll with speed. You've got to overwhelm the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense with some of these young speed pieces like Terrell Bernard, Dorian Williams, and I'm going to say it, Bills Mafia, Kairi Elam. I get he only played special team snaps against the Patriots because the Bills are worried about him getting exposed. He played better towards the end of that Giants game, and there is no one in that DB room with the raw speed and athleticism that Elam has. More often than not, if you can roll out better athletes, you're going to win. Because here's the thing, Justin. We took out Dorian Williams from that Patriots game because Mac Jones was doing a good job taking advantage of his aggressiveness. Baker Mayfield has that same capability to look him off with his eyes or fool him with his eyes in coverage. They've got the ability in the run game in Tampa Bay to do some of those things as well with an imperfect but pretty stout offensive line. McDermott kowtowed to that, and he took Williams out of the game and then didn't even play Elam. But what does that leave us with? That leave us, leaves us with Terrell Dodson, who is okay in run-stopping and substandard in pass coverage, which is what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers want to do to open up the middle of the field. And Kyer Elam not being out there means Dane Jackson is playing. And we love Dane Jackson, but he is an athletically limited player, which is something that we know about. We know what happens. We know what happens. If Jackson and Dawson are out there, they become vulnerabilities. We don't know with any certainty because of how young in their developmental arc these, these players are in Williams and Elam. You've got to put them out there. Is there going to be a wider range of variance in their performance? Absolutely. Dodson and Jackson, they bring you a floor for sure, but they don't bring you the ceiling that these guys do. And that's what you're going to need for this defense to get back on track. High ceiling splash plays that expose the topic uh, that take advantage of toxic differential for the Buffalo Bills and put them in a position to make some really big splash plays and turn the ball, turn the ball over back to this Bills defense. So for me, the second key is trust the young guys. They're going to struggle, especially Elam but you got to let them take their lumps because Trey White's not coming back anytime soon. And you know who, who Dane Jackson is. Matt Milano's not coming back anytime soon. And you know who Tyrell Dodson is. You've got to let these young guys take their lumps so that they're ready for the murderer's row that the schedule turns into at the end of the season. If you can't trust them against a limited Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense, I don't know when you can trust them. So now is the time. Let the young bucks play. When you said, and you said, you know, let the young bucks play. I mean, the elephant in the room. People got so excited about Von Miller coming over to the Bills, and now we're looking at the season. Six snaps against the Patriots. The man's 34 years old, right? Like, right. 34 years old. You just don't recover the same way, and I don't understand. Um, one of my to-look-out-for things that I was going to talk about is, you know, if he's healthy, why isn't he playing? Why are we dressing him and rushing him back if he's not ready? Like, I... I, I know our defense is hurting. I mean, you've got so many people that are sitting it out, but long-term scheme, I mean, you've got to look at, do you hold these players in reserve and wait until the moments where we really need them the most? I just, I don't know what's going on with Von Miller. I'm very anxious about that. I, I'm confident he will come back and be playing, but I'm talking about a player, he got eight sacks over 11 games last season. Like, he was a major part of what made our team our team. He still and led the him, team in sacks after exactly. he got injured. Exactly. And losing him, 
to me is one of the biggest setbacks we saw last season. I mean, there's, I mean, I could, I'm, I'm not going to replay last season, but like he, he's a major part of that defense. And the, the reason that we have to really listen to what you're saying is we can't rely on a 34 year old who's on this limited injury based, can't play as much as he should be able to play. We don't know if he is going to come back and be able to output the same way he did pre-injury, right? Like we just haven't seen it. And I'm not confident that we'll be able to see all that, especially without the other parts of the defense in place that he had last season. Correct. Correct. So you got to start to trust some of these younger guys. And I, I think they're working Von Miller back slowly. And I think once Von, if, you know, these ACL injuries, we saw it with Trey White last year, it took him a while to look like himself again. And he even still needed the full off season after last year to, to really fully recover. Um, I think the hope is, especially with Jones being out, the hope is that Miller gets to a point where he's healthy enough to play on some of these closeout drives. Cause that's what Miller is. Miller is a closer. And I said this when we signed him, I'm like, I don't think anyone wants to say it, but by the end of this contract, Von Miller is very likely going to be a third down specialist. But here's what you can do. If Miller is healthy enough to do that, you can line up Greg Rousseau at the three tech next to Ed Oliver, as long as Ed Oliver is healthy. You put Leonard Floyd next to Greg Rousseau, and then you've got Von Miller on the other side next to Ed Oliver, and that is your NASCAR pass rush closing package on third and passing situations and at the end of the game to shut the other team down. It doesn't fully make up for the, the lack of run-stopping ability that we lose with Daquan Jones, but the hope is that in those third and long situations and when you're closing out a game, teams are looking to pass the ball anyway. So they're slowly working Miller back, but I ultimately think that's the schematic dream for McDermott is to have those four guys lined up as your defensive front to close out games and put the other QB down. So they're working Miller slowly, slowly, slowly up to that. It remains to be seen if he's going to be able to recover enough to have an impact. I mean, dude, like you said, six total snaps didn't play the second half at all. They really could have used Von Miller on that closeout drive where Mac Jones basically marched them down the field with dink and dunks and screen plays. They really could have used their closer in that moment, but Miller is just, he's just not ready. He's not fully recovered yet. So they got to rely on some of these younger guys until then and give him a shot. Rousseau needs to step up. Hopefully Oliver can be healthy. But yeah, man, AJ Apeneza needs to continue to ball out of his mind for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, man, good takes, strong takes. So for me, my, my couple of points here is let the young bucks play against the bucks on defense. Yes. You're going to get some volatility deal with the volatility because those guys give you the higher ceiling in this injury environment on defense. Point number two for me, easy button. Ken Dorsey needs to scheme up some stuff to get the ball out of Josh's hands. Assume that teams are going to be blitzing Josh again, because while some people think you still can't blitz Josh, you can definitely blitz this offensive line. And that will, as a byproduct, make some problems for Josh. Absolutely. So hit the easy button. I want to see 2.7 seconds and under for Josh's time to throw. And I want to see some easy stuff down the field to get this team in rhythm and open up things in the run game. For you, sir, recap for us again. What are your main points here? It's the turnover battle. It's winning in the run game to open things up in the play action. And then getting some play calling consistency that better involves Dalton Kincaid. Am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. And let James Cook cook. Let him cook, man. If Latavius Murray, and I love Latavius Murray, 
but he's a journeyman running back. If that dude gets another start over James Cook, I'm going to lose my mind. James Cook is the guy. Let him be the guy. Because outside of Stephon Diggs, he is your next most dynamic weapon that is not Josh Allen on that offense. Why he is not starting the game and getting the majority of the snap share is beyond me. But stop playing games. And that that feels like a McDermott thing. Like McDermott wasn't happy with the way Cook was hitting holes. So he tried to put in Latavius Murray as a defensive coach would to get some more physicality in the game. James Cook is way more dynamic. That's your dude. You let that dude cook, my friend. Let him cook. Please, I love Latavius Murray. This is not Latavius Murray slander, but you can't start Murray in place of Cook. Let Cook freaking play. It's ridiculous to play around like this when the team's on the verge of going four and four in their first eight games heading Cincinnati. Stop playing games, McD. Love you, but stop playing games. All right. So, Justin, we now move on to prediction sure to go wrong, which is uh, what people, like I said, come for. These are predictions that JJ and I will make that almost assuredly go wrong game to game. So we always start with our score prediction. So as the honored guest here, I will let you go first. Where does the score for this game land for you? Yeah, so um, I'm looking Bills 27, Buccaneers 10. Um, Damn. In in true Bills fashion, I think that... um, so jo- the big talk right now is Josh Allen is four touchdowns away from 200. Um, and so I just have this this feeling in my heart of hearts that the the of course, what a Bills win looks like is that fun side quest gets abandoned, but we still happen to win the game. I think the reality is if this team can really utilize the combination of Diggs, Davis, Kincaid and Hardy, I mean, how often are they on the field at the same time? Because I think they're the most effective combination that we're really playing with. And I think if they really get into that groove this game, they're going to run away with the game. I think they've got something to prove. They're home. Um, I never play into the statistics about like, they always like to throw these like very, when a team's not doing so hot, I love reading the like random thing they throw out as a team. So the Bills, the two things I read that the Bills are saying, which is funny, is that we're 2-0 and versus the NFC. It's like, okay. <laughs> and then... um was the other one it was that uh josh allen is five and oh playing on thursdays yeah we don't so that's care. science we right exactly <laughs> but um i think you know i think that they've got a lot of they know they have to get back on track i think they're coming into this game knowing that if they don't bring that full performance up that they're going to be in really rough shape and to me i think that's typically a recipe for a bill's blowout and that's what i'm hoping for cool I uh, this is the first time in the history of the pod I've de- debated not picking the Bills, and here's the reason why. This is a short week. the The offensive miscues that we are seeing are not just a product of execution, but they're a product of poor coaching and poor game preparation. And game preparation does not get better when you have less time to prepare for an opponent. And I had this game circled preseason um, as one that could be a trap spot for the Bills after coming off a couple of what I thought would be divisional wins against uh, against Miami and in, in, in New England, and then a, a relatively easy patch there with the the New Jersey Giants, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, and, um, and the Patriots. Um, teams that are poorly coached, or at least coaches that are not preparing well, it doesn't get better when you've got a three-day turnaround. Add to that the dinged up nature of this roster right now. And I almost, almost for the first time didn't pick the bills to win, 
but I am going to pick the Bills to win, but I think it's going to be ugly because these Thursday night games are always ugly. And I think teams like you, fans like you, that are hoping for Josh Allen to become the Terminator that we know he can be and throw for five touchdowns and rush for another one and everybody getting involved, I think is going to be really hard to come by. I think this game ultimately winds up being Buffalo Bills 20, Tampa Bay Buccaneers 17. The spread on this game is obscene and Vegas should be ashamed of themselves. This line opened at seven and a half and the over under on this game is 41. I take the under on total points and there is no way the bills are covering this spread on a short turnaround. Seven and a half is way, way, way too high. They opened as nine and a half point favorites against the Patriots. That line came down to seven and a half. Because the betting public is onto the fact that the Bills start slow and they have a problem with defenses that are the profile of these of these Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So I say the Bills win, but it's an ugly one and it's 20 to 17 and they don't cover and we take the under in this game. Yeah, I think I think there's a window and I don't want this to be true. I'm an aspirant like when I'm rooting for a football team that's down by 14 points with a minute left to go, I'm the guy that's like, there's, they could still win. They're still away, right? Like, um, So I'm always going to be on the optimism side, but in my four hours of prep with my Bills fan <laughs> experts, um, the consensus was one of two things, a Bills blowout or wheels are off disappointment. Um, that, that was kind of the back and forth, and I went with my gut and bet on my Bills because that's just how I am. But... You know, a lot of the consistent answer I was getting is this is either going to be more of the same, that ugly, horrible play in just the wrong times, just enough times type of game, or they're going to just come alive. But I think a lot of what you're saying about how much time they have left in between and how little prep time, I mean, that's something to definitely think about and is dampening my excitement, but not enough to get me off of my prediction. Yeah, and it's, it's just a, it's a, these Thursday night games, they suck. They suck to play in. They suck to watch. None of them have been good. None of them have been entertaining. And I don't know why this would be any different. So, all right, so let's go to some prop bets. So, Justin, for this, we throw out some player stats or some team stats, and then JJ and I pick the over-under, and we see who's wrong. Usually it's both of us. All right, so. All right, so over-under. This has been a key for me. So Josh Allen time to throw over under 2.7 seconds. What do you think it's going to be? Oh, God. Um, going to say. And so to be clear, because I'm not a big bet person. So if I oh, say we need, over, to, we need to change that about you. So if I you know. say over, that's two point. You mean that he's going to take him longer to throw the ball to okay, 2.7 seconds. That's I figured. Yeah, um, I think it is. Um, I think that he, the way that they've been playing him this season has proven that they aren't, he's just not making those decisions as quick as he used to. So even though I have this strong feeling that they're going to do really well, I do still think that his reaction time is going to be a little bit slower than it should be. Yeah, I'm in order for them to win. It's got to be the under, but I've got them winning ugly. So that tells me it's going to be closer to three seconds as well. So I'm going to take the over on this too. Just because I think there is the wish fulfillment of what I want them to do, but then there is the reality on the ground. And sometimes you are what your record says you are. And this team is one and two in their last three games. And Josh's average time to throw has been three seconds or more in all of those games because teams are covering up his number one choice. He's hesitant to go to a second read. 
And because he's so damned athletic, he knows he can extend the play with his legs, which he did to great effect in the New England game. So I think it needs to be under 2.7, but I don't think it's going to be, which is why I'm, I'm leading to some of this ugly prediction. All right, next up. This is a staple prop because we are James Cook. We love James Cook on this pod, and we feel like he's got to be a key to any Buffalo Bills win. So James Cook over under 7.5 receptions this game. So just so you know, he is averaging 4.5 on the season. So my theory with this prop is that Josh is going to be forced to check down to him more. And Cook has been running wild open in the middle of the field and in the flat when he leaks out after the snap, um, either play action or out of shotgun. And I think at some point, Josh has to go to him in the passing game and in the checkdown game because this dude is a yak machine. So I'm saying James Cook eats in the passing game here. And this is a, this is a, a relative weakness because Tampa Bay, they want to bring their linebackers on some exotic blitz packages and that could open up cook in the middle of the field for them yeah so over under seven and a half um i'm gonna say over um Mm -hmm. with the asterisk of uh, of course assuming that they're putting him in and giving him the time to do so but i'm gonna say over i mean i can't i can't sit here and uh be saying bills by 17 without giving some indications that i think they're gonna do some things right i can't sit here and say i think that Allen's going to take too much time and I don't think Cook's going to get this like at some point that just doesn't make the calculus work for me but I think I think everything you said about if he's being used in the correct way he really is an output machine for this team and he needs to be seen as a natural counter to the overprotection of digs I think it's the ticket and if the Bills have found their way or started to find their way in the last three days then that's one of the major changes that I think needs to happen yep I agree um I will take the over as well. I actually think Cook has the ability, has the chance to have a really good game in the passing game here. Less in the less touches in the rush game as a result, but I think he's got a, got potential to really eat. And eight pass catches for a running back is like Austin Eckler levels of effectiveness. So I would love to see Cook take a step into that rarefied air, and it's a good matchup for him to do that in. All right, last one. Dawson Knox out indefinitely with wrist surgery, which means Dalton Kincaid is our primary tight end and might be our only tight end because Quentin Morris is also battling a foot injury as well. So over under half a touchdown catch for Dalton Kincaid. Basically, will Dalton Kincaid get his first career tutty? Do I want them to? Yes. I mean, my whole thing is the Diggs Davis Kincaid Hardy uh, quadfecta, I yeah. guess would be that word. I think take the really over then. Take the over. <laughs> every, I'm, I'm, I'll take the over. I mean, I think now that Knox is out, um, you know, the question is, are they going to utilize a fullback and blocking schemes more often, and how are they going to use Kincaid really effectively? Um, I again, I I think that the Bills are going to see the light this week. I have no reason to believe that other than blind hope and dumb luck, which is what fuels most Bills fans. So what I'm thinking is, I'm gonna t- I'm gonna take the over. I mean, I I hope that for him, and I think. If we're going to have a good game, it's going to rely on us using all of our weapons. I agree, but I'm going to take the under on this because it took Ken Dorsey seven weeks to discover Dalton Kincaid. So I, and again, ugly game is what I'm predicting, which means lots of checkdowns to Cook, um, muddy some things up to Davis potentially and Diggs. 
I don't know that there is a world where Kincaid and we want him to take this next step quickly because this is wish fulfillment for us Bills fans. I just don't know that he gets there. So I'm going to take the under. I think he has a solid game. I'd say like five receptions and 65 yards, but I don't know that he's going to he's going to catch his first study of the year. Um, and that, Justin, concludes predictions sure to go wrong. So everything I said is probably going to be wrong. Fully acknowledge that. But that's the, the beauty of this segment. And Justin, congratulations to you because you have gotten through your first guest host patch here on Buffalo Bread. How do you feel? Feels great. I mean, I uh, I told my wife that I was going to be coming on and uh, talking, and she said, uh, without missing a beat, she goes, do they want a uh, someone who doesn't know that much about football to come in and share their opinion? I was like, oh, wow. Wow. But it, yeah, she's, she's it's always, uh, always she the cold. ones that, that love us that cut the deepest, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, my I've gotten really good at following the bills and really bad at knowing what other teams can do. So I was. I was glad that this focused mostly on what do we think the Bills are capable of and a little bit less on what we think the Bucks are capable of. Um, so it's going to be really interesting. I'm uh, really excited to watch and see kind of where we end up and who was right or wrong. Well, we'll we're definitely going to be wrong on pretty much everything. Let's just hope we're not wrong about our score prediction because the Bills really need a win heading into primetime against Cincinnati um, a couple Sundays from now. But Justin, thank you again for subbing in for JJ. We appreciate it. For all of you, those of you listening at home, like, share, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Google, Apple, and Spotify. And as always, go Bills.